Welcome to the first episode of Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew Starner from St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm the worship and communications pastor here, sometimes referred to as the online pastor, and I'm excited to introduce to you this new podcast from the crew here at St. Matthew. In Everyday Disciples, we're going to learn about how to be followers of Jesus wherever we are. I hope that whoever you are and wherever you are in life, there will be something that will help you grow as a disciple of Jesus. Today on Everyday Disciples, we'll We'll hear from our spiritual formation team, Lori Winicky, Aiden Hunt, and Stephanie Sherman, as they talk about reading the Bible at home with your family. And we'll hear from myself and Pastor Rob Appold about how everyday disciples process struggles and suffering in a Christ-like way. We'll also hear from Adam Vanderstelt as he and I take a quick look at why we sing what we sing, looking at the message of one of the songs that we sing in worship here, Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham. Thanks for joining us for this first episode. Let's get started. We are the spiritual formation team here at St. Matthew. My name is Aiden Hunt, and I work with the high school students. My name is Stephanie Sherman, and I work with Junior High Ministries. Uh, my name is Lori Winicky, and I work with the kids and their families. And we are discussing how do we read the Bible at home. So it's one thing for us to uh, be in the Word when we're at church on Sunday mornings. It's, it's another for us to to study it by ourselves, which is super important. But how do we do that as a family as well? So I kind of just want to open the question and the whole conversation up with this. Um, why is it important for us to read the Bible just at all, like in your in our families, but also in our in our walk with Jesus? Why is it such an important tool for us? Well, I would say it's important to. Um, read the Bible because you have to know God's word. So if you don't know what it is that he wants from you, um, you're not going to know how to live your life well. So you have to read his word in order to know his plan. Mm -hmm. I think of the sermon series that we're doing right now, Anchored, being anchored um, in Christ. And uh, when you have the word, we always talk about it kind of being your map or your guide and so many times you're just faced with so many things in your life and we don't have God's word to guide you through that and to turn to. I think that just helps kids, families, all ages. Well, <clears throat> and the other thing I was thinking is um, God's word is where we learn who God is. And I think with all of the ups and downs in life that we face, that can be really hard if you don't know who God is and where his heart is for you. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when you come across those challenges in life, knowing that God is loving and faithful and trustworthy can help you get through those. Yeah. yeah, we just talked in our high school, Sunday school class this past week about how the Bible is authoritative and we believe that uh, it is scripture, um, but we also believe it's a story and it's a story where God is the main character. Um, and so if we want to know more about who God is, about um, who he is for us, but also just the the overarching themes and the story of the Bible, we see the person of God, like you said, Stephanie, we get to know him through the pages of scripture. And so when it comes to a family, how do we bring this into, you know, our, our, you know, daily devotions with the family? How do we bring it to the dinner table? Like, what are some ways um, that we bring the Bible to, to our families? And why is that an important part of growing together? Well, I know for our family, um, years ago at church, we started, I think back then, what do we call it, stuff? Faith Five. Faith Five. Faith five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's something that we started, I mean, years ago. Uh, Caleb wasn't even really participating in it much back then. But it's something that actually we've done pretty regularly throughout the years. And our family loves to start with the highs and lows. So the best part of our day um, and then 
you know, something maybe sad, a low or something that happened. And our rule is always you have to have a high for the day. There's always something you can be thankful or grateful to God for. Um, and it cannot always be recess, cannot always be recess or PE. We have learned that over the years too. We had to stipulate reasons, but, um, and then maybe a low. And I know for us, um, busy family, um, which I know so many people are, and that's not something I take pride in. It's just something that we struggle with. But um, sometimes that was how I found out something that happened with actually mad at work or a kid that got picked last kickball at recess or all those kind of things that you might not have been able to learn. Um, and then you discovered um, just around the dinner table. So we still do that now. Um, our parents even come to visit. That's just something. Um, and then after that, then we would read uh, many different devotion books or something from scripture. Our children all go to a Christian school, so it could have been something they were memorizing or something doing in their class as well. And then we just took the time to just read a Bible passage and talk about it. Um, simple, uh, yet meaningful. And I think that just became kind of a habit in our household. Not a daily habit as much as I would like to say, but a habit that we still hold to this yeah. day. And it's a rhythm that you've kind of built into your family dynamic. And it's become like, even if it's not daily, like it's something that you're you're used to doing. And it took probably a long time for that rhythm to mm -hmm. be established and really feel concrete. Um, but it's become part of, of your family and part of the way you, you live together. So. Uh, one of our family's favorite things is just when we do like Easter devotions or during like Easter or Lent and or um, Advent and when St. Matthew has put together like their personal devotions that St. Matthew members have written, that was always one of my family's favorite things to do. Um, so I'm calling this portion of the segment, Let's Be Real with Stephanie. Um, <laughs> our family is not great in this area, to be honest. Um, we did much better when the boys were younger. Um, we, we did highs and lows, um, read the passage, that sort of thing. But as they've progressed in age and busyness, uh, we barely do dinners together, much less family devotion, um, Bible reading. So, <clears throat> um, I can't sit here and pretend like that's, um, any plus for our family. However, um, being a follower of Jesus, wherever we are, we have a lot of windshield time. And so <clears throat> I guess we try to use that time to talk in real life ways of, how they're living out their faith and where they're going, what they're doing, the situations that they're coming into. So um, I guess I just don't want anyone out there to feel like if you're not reading the Bible every single night with your family, um, then you need to just quit, right? You need to start where you're at. And if you do one more time this week or you have one conversation um, <clears throat> with your kid about how they can be a follower of Jesus in the situation that they're in right now, um, that's a win mm -hmm. too. Yeah, it takes commitment. It takes establishing some kind of, you know, where are we right now and how can we move forward from here? Um, but it's committing to what you're doing and committing to the idea of wanting to grow together as a family, growing together through the pages of scripture. Um, and well, so, I think that's yeah. a great model of what we've been trying to do here at St. Matthew, even teaching families just to talk about it, kind of following Deuteronomy 6. So when you lie up, when you're lying down, when you get up, when you're in the car, when you're, I mean, those are all those things that that's exactly when you're supposed to talk about Jesus. It doesn't have to be around the dinner table. It doesn't have to be a perfect little moment right before bedtime. You can talk about God exactly like you guys do. Like I like the windshield time whenever you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I kind of answered my Wherever next, you are. My next question was on starting points. Like, how can you start doing these things? But I think we really covered it. It's committing. It's 
seeing where you are defining reality for yourself and for your family and for all of your rhythms and busy schedules and um, working from there. So from a, a, a commitment standpoint, we know what our starting point is, but from like an actual biblical, like where in the Bible do we start? Uh, because I think the Bible, as amazing as it is, is one of the big hurdles people kind of feel like they have to get over in order to like become a Christian because the Bible is, is very long, it's very old, and it can be very confusing. Um, and so where have you found as like a good starting point for, for families or for people to when they're really trying to dive into God's word? Like where can they start? Like what, is it a certain book of the Bible? Is it a certain, you know, place? Like what, like what, what do you, what have you had experience with and like what are your your thoughts on that? Well, for our family and for, I mean, families from church here, the nice thing about all the lessons and things that the kids come home with, um, you know, we've purposely picked programs and curriculum that actually has those discussion questions and scriptures. So a good place to dive, especially for parents who are like, okay, I don't know where to start, is you could start about what lessons did you learn at church? What things can you continue to talk about? Um, at home with that too, because it can be overwhelming what scripture and maybe you don't want to talk to your kids about because you're not even sure how you feel about that story. Um, We've loved just going to Baker Bookhouse or different places too. I mean, we do have a wealth of places around here where you get to go and you get to kind of pick out. We've let our kids over the years pick out. Um, I remember our boys wanting like the boy Bible and the boy story and, you know, different things like that. Um, Right now, actually, Caleb is, um, which kind of sounds like a downer, but it's uh, Toby Mack has this new book. It's through the voice of the martyrs too. And so Caleb's kind of very interested right now in Christians who are being persecuted and the sacrifices that they have made over the years. Um, And I mean, that's years. I mean, there's stories recent, but there's stories hundred years ago. Um, And so that was a book that he actually wanted. Can't say I enjoy family devotions (laughs) as much as I used to. Uh, Those stories are very, very difficult to read and hear. Um, But again, I let your kids, I feel like, especially if your kids are younger, um, let them kind of lead what are they interested in. Um, and then and start there. And I still believe prayer is the easiest place to start. Every parent can pray with their child. Um, so if you're nervous about a scripture, just just start praying with your kids throughout the day too. So, um, Lori took a lot of my thoughts. We our boys had the gross Bible. I think was the one that they enjoyed um, reading from. But um, I think with the technology we have today as well, apps are a fabulous thing. I mean, again, I have older kids, um, but you have an app on your phone. Um, that gives you a verse of the day, um, usually a little blib about it. So if you are unsure about what that Bible verse means or what it's talking about, um, this app kind of walks you through it as well. So I think that makes it really nice. Um, I think, like you said, prayer, Christian music, I mean, just listening to music together and talking about what is a song, because most well, I would think almost all Christian music comes from some scripture in the Bible. So um, <clears throat> it's also a good way to get kids interested in talking about scripture with them. Help them realizing that's what they're mm-hmm. doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Our kids have always liked their Christian schools too at different times have done like Music Friday or something where they actually listen to a song on the radio or radio. How old am I? <laughs> uh, they listen to a song where they actually, it's totally not Christian lyrics at all. Um, and that's kind of fun, too, to talk about, okay, what do you feel like God would think about that? And how do you see, you know, as a Christian? And I mean, those are discussions you can have when your kids get a little older, too, which is good. Mm-hmm. One other thing I've done personally, too, is I like just open up the Bible 
<clears throat> right? It's kind of like finding, you're putting your finger on a map and wherever, it, like that's where you start. So I've done that a lot in the past is just, I kind of say a prayer. What do you want to say to me right now, God? And then I just open up my Bible and wherever I land is where I start reading. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have cheated a little bit over the years because I know <laughs> further back in the Bible, it's a little more easier uh, passages mm-hmm. to understand because it's New Testament. So I think that's always an easier place to start um, if you don't know. Um, you know, maybe what the Bible is talking about, but uh, there's almost always a scripture that pops out to me and I have a bunch of note cards and I usually write it down. And then those are passages that I go back to because I feel like those are words God's kind of spoken to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, what about those times when, um, your kids or your spouse or even a friend of yours says like, Hey, what about this? part of the Bible? Like, what about the story about the bears ripping apart the kids or like the stories that like we, we talk about and we don't really talk about enough or like David and Bathsheba or um, Jacob having four wives. Like, what about these things? What, like, how do we answer those questions? How do you approach those questions when you know, your kids ask them or uh, you're having that discussion with somebody over <laughs> a very awkward dinner afterwards? Like, how, how do we have those kinds of discussions? But like, how do we, how do we do so in a way? Or like, what can, what can we turn to as like help to answering those questions? So you mean, can you expand a little bit more? Like, you mean, how do we explain like our faith in God despite those stories or despite like the fallen nature of the world or? Any of the Those are some of my favorite conversations I have, actually, because we don't know all the answers. And when actually, when I was a student teacher, the favorite thing that I learned, or the, I think the thing that stood out the most um, in that was that my cooperating teacher told me, you don't know ha- have to know all the answers, right? Kids know when you're lying, <laughs> right? And so the best thing to do is say, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why God allowed that to happen, but here's what I do know. And then point them back to what do we know about God's character and who he is. And he sent his son to die for us. So if he's willing to do that, then we know his heart. We don't have to know his whole plan. And we do know it is a broken world. And so I guess um, that's where I come at from those. And then I point them to Pastor Matthew or Pastor Ron. <laughs> yeah. They want me Exactly. <laughs> We're studying Job right now, and I think that's the perfect example of a man who oh my goodness, I've always struggled with the story of Job personally. And then, you know, lost his children. I mean, sores all over his body. I mean, you could go on and on. How he didn't lose faith in God, but it's a story I like to go back to because he definitely questioned lots and lots and lots of questions. Um, And I I think back to good friend Carrie when, you know, died of cancer, a young mom. And that was the thing that kind of kept coming back. You know, you don't understand. And, oh, you can be angry with God. You can question. You can cry. Um, And that's, I think, actually, those are the times that you actually turn more to God's word um, for those answers, too. So, and you you may not always get an answer. Because he's not going to shy away from your questions, and he's going to sit in it with you. I think the way we view scripture, because like you said, Lori, like sometimes you just don't know how to explain things or, um, you know, in the times where you, you talk about, you know, God's actions in the Bible versus people's actions in the Bible. I think it's important for us to remember that the Bible tells the story of humanity the way it is. Uh, It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't hide anything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that gives me hope because when I look at the stories of the Bible, I don't identify with Daniel personally. I wish I identified with Daniel, but I didn't. And when you look at all the people that God used, the broken, <laughs> murderous, um, adulterous people that God used in his mighty ways, I, I mean, I guess that's why I love the Bible, because it's not about you. It's about God. It's about what, what Jesus has done for you. So that gives me hope. I hope that gives other people hope yeah. too. And we're on, we're on equal ground with everybody in the Bible in terms of brokenness and sinfulness, except for one. Um, and we encounter that and we encounter the one in the, in the pages of scripture and how it is not a story about us. It's a story about God, but it's a story he's also inviting us into, which is a really beautiful part about our walk with the Lord. And we did not know there would be questions we'd be put on the spot for Aiden. I, I, I just so thought of it. Thanks, Aiden. Aiden. Next time we're going to have some questions for Aiden. So. so let's recap what we talked about. Um, we read the Bible to encounter God, to know his word, and to know the story of humanity and how God has has just gracefully entered into it with us as Jesus. Um, we talk about important practices for families, like how to establish good rhythms and practices for growing together and and I think that's it's a lot more open than we probably talked about. It. Like there are other options families have that they can, you know, they can implement and things they can do. Yeah. Yeah, I, we haven't talked about a couple of resources too. In addition, U version, which I'm sure many people are familiar with, but I mean, just that Bible app. I mean, there's so many different plans. I type in all the time: anxiety or worry or marriage or parenting. I mean, so many different options. Um, some are video, some are written, super easy. And then right now media is still, if you have not checked it out, talk to Rose if you do not have an account, rosemill at samiafugr.com. But I mean, resource upon resource that you can use um, at any stage of your life. I can't really say enough about, about that site too. So I think those would be good. Um, and from a parenting standpoint <clears throat> of a mom who now has a 20-year-old, 17-year-old, and a 14-year-old, like I cannot emphasize enough how important it is just to talk about Jesus with your kids from just little on. Uh, it really does go so fast. They say the, the days are long, but the years are short. Um, but when your son is 20, when your daughter is 17, of course I'll start crying because it's Lori, but you really will not care how many... Why am I crying? <laughs> how many baskets they made, how many touchdowns. You're just going to want to make sure they walk with the Lord. And for me, I'm just very thankful that that is still happening, but it's something I don't take for granted, something as parents we can always pray for too, um, because I see so many people struggling nowadays, um, and my kids have struggled at times as well. So just being in God's Word, um, praying, uh, just I know everybody's busy, but just do that. Well, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Stephanie. And um, I think my last word of advice, ask your pastors. Pastor Matt and, and Pastor Rob do have to answer your questions. It's their job. Um, so if we can't answer them, we will just direct you to either of them. Um, but yeah, be prayerful. Be in the word and, and take your questions to God as well. Um, he is capable and he is willing to answer them. And he's willing to comfort you despite any questions you might have. So we will see you next time. Well, 
we're here on this first segment of uh, doing a deep dive here. So I'm sitting here with Pastor Rob, and uh, I'm Pastor Matthew. And uh, throughout this segment, uh, in, in coming episodes, want to kind of pick different topics and kind of just do a little bit of a deep dive in them, dig into some stuff that maybe we don't get to talk about much in sermons, don't get to talk about much in uh, you know our conversations with folks. And so this first one, I figured we'd start with a softball um, and kind of tackle the, the question of why is there suffering mm-hmm. in the world? And I don't know about you, I tend to get asked that question in like one of two settings. One, one is either like... Um, with a family who's in some sort of immediate suffering that's going on and they're asking like why is this happening um or from like the perspective of somebody who's uh maybe coming with some like objections to christianity and like well you know how do you account for suffering in the world if god is so good and usually for me in those two moments i'm never good on my feet of like trying to answer that in a good way in a satisfying way it's (laughs) to the on the one hand it's the simple answer of well sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, but that's not a very satisfying answer, especially for somebody who's going through suffering, like all of us have been in the last right. you know, year and a half with COVID, um, or for somebody who's, who's struggling with faith. I don't think that's a helpful answer necessarily, or a satisfying answer, maybe. Yeah. Well, thanks for opening the can on a really light topic here, but absolutely, I think this is a great forum to talk about some of these things. And you're right, I would say the same thing, that those two instances, um, and when somebody's suffering, they do ask the question, but they really don't want to know the answer. They want to get out of suffering. Right, (laughs) but they want to be over. (laughs) But to try to analyze why is this happening is, well, fruitless in that sense that it's not going to alleviate the situation. And usually somebody who has an objection wants an object, wants to be, wants to find the objection. It is also a, I find it's a, I call it a bar question too. When Mm. somebody is maybe a little more relaxed and wants to contemplate the deeper things in life, these are, this is a kind, well, why is there so much trouble in the world? And um, you just want to probe that a little bit too, so... Sure. Yeah. And, and over a, over a beer is a great place to have yeah, that conversation. When you got of, the time to do it. Right. Especially when, when maybe neither of you are in the midst of like obvious suffering, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little easier to have that conversation right. of, so where did this, where, where does that come from? What, why is that happening? And if God is the objection you always hear is if God is a good God, well, then why doesn't he just fix it? And if God's all powerful, why didn't, why doesn't he fix it too? You know? And um, yeah, I don't know. How do you want to go? Do you want me to offer something? Do you want to go first with some of your ideas? Well, I, I think, like I, like I kind of said at the beginning, there's an easy answer to the question of why is there suffering? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the easy Sunday school answer is, well, sin, right? Right. The world's broken. Um, now that's not often a satisfying answer for folks because, um, you know, what does, what does the, you know, generic sin, quote unquote, have to do with why I'm in this particular situation? Um, you know, take somebody who is struggling with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so to tell them, well, the reason that you have cancer is sin, the, the first thing, if, if that were me, in my mind, I'm, I'm going to go, so what did I do that I got this? 
um, what happened in my life that is this my punishment, so to speak? And I don't know, what's your, what's your wisdom for somebody in that situation? Yeah. Um, isn't, what's the, isn't there, uh, a word for the study of the problem of evil? Is it theosity or, um, uh, theodicy, theodicy. Yep. And this has been a question obviously of the ages and uh, centuries, man, man has always, you know, why is this world like it is and why do people suffer? So, um, yeah, I think first of all, we have to, you know, start with something. And I remember very vividly when one of our members, coming in struggling is his family member who has just had years of physical suffering and struggle and and he said why why is god punishing me for that and i think we do have to remember and start with what we do know about god and so clearly is jesus suffered for our sins he's not out you know, keeping a record and punishing us for our misdeeds and um, the fact that you and I struggle is not a punishment from God from that. Now, my actions have consequences and those consequences maybe struggle for me, but to say you have this disease or you have this illness or you have this hurt because you sin somewhere, that would be, that is a fruitless and uh, contrary to scripture point or endeavor. Right. Yeah. I think that's so helpful to remember that, that, uh, you know, that Jesus suffered in our place. You know, that's mm-hmm. the, um, is it Romans eight? You know, there's no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Like it's, God's not looking to punish any of us. Um, you know, f- for the sins that we have, that Jesus has taken our punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, now that doesn't remove consequences. Correct. <laughs> you know, so and that's the other part of this, and that's the dilemma part. Right. Right. So, so do I? You know, is there a? Uh, do I have a hand in the suffering that I encounter? Maybe. You know, sometimes the way I I like to, and I don't remember where I came across kind of this distinction, but I've used it a handful of times before is like, um, you know, sometimes I suffer because I make poor choices. Exactly. I I screwed up somewhere along the way and now I'm suffering the consequences of that. Um, Sometimes I suffer because someone else made a poor choice and I'm just like a a victim of that. You know, somebody Mm -hmm. else was a drunk driver and I got hit. Um, You know, I didn't necessarily do anything wrong. And then sometimes it's just a factor of the world is broken mm-hmm. and bad stuff just happens. And it's not necessarily any, you, we can't trace like cancer that somebody has to any one particular sin. It's just a, a matter of the world is broken and bad stuff happens and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and all of those are biblical. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, we call it the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh mm-hmm. uh, that are our enemies, uh, you know, the unholy trinity. Um, and all of those are exactly what you said. Um, I, I th- maybe take this a little differently, but I read an article, and again, I can't remember where it was either, but that happens COVID, a lot. COVID. Where did, it, who, where did it, you know, really come i mean i'm not talking the origin of the virus but why why a pandemic obviously that was on people's minds and it was a good article because the the natural um christian maybe response is the devil 
You know, the devil is putting this into our world just to bring mayhem and and trouble. And the devil is a liar and a thief, and uh, and he seeks to destroy. Um, so that could be, you know, an action of just evil. And then it talked about people, human sinful people can be the source of bad things. Mm -hmm. But then it also said God could be the source of this. I've heard that one too, that oh, this is God, yeah, God punishing us. For, well, not or, really punishing us, but go ahead. What, what did you pick up on that? Well, I've just, I've heard, you know, kind of anytime there's some sort of a natural disaster sort mm -hmm. of thing, um, you always hear kind of echoes from certain corners of Christianity that oh. like, oh, that's coming because God is punishing those people for whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the sin might be. Uh, I remember, I think the first time that I really remember hearing that a lot was like Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. You know, so it was the sins of everything that goes on in New Orleans. That was God just, you know, right, punishing all of them for that. And it's like, well, that, that's not exactly how that works. And this was not along that line. It was along the line of God does sometimes cause testing. So like, if you remember David, um, I think it was because of that. Now he did this census. Do you remember? And I can't remember. Is it Second Chronicles, First Chronicles, twenty-eight, very end, where God says, "All right, you got a choice of three things, but it's they're all bad." Mm. I'm not finding the the quick reference here, but or sim or or similar similarly to um, Job, God now. Satan comes to God, and I don't know why Satan's reporting into God in the first place. I mean, that's a very fascinating. Right, that's a whole deep dive in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for a future episode on that one. <laughs> um, but he says, you know, obviously you made life easy for Job. You let's make, make it hard. Let him, let him suffer. He's going to curse you. And God says, okay, go ahead. Just can't put your finger on him. Can't kill him. Well. Thanks, God. <laughs> I mean, and uh, Job is tested, mm -hmm. and that's really the whole uh, theme of that book. Um, now, we're, God is doing something there, and the point of this article in, in COVID was, you know what? Maybe God is allowing this to test us. He says, you don't want to go to church? I'll make it so you can't, can't go to church. You don't want to engage with other people in a meaningful way. I'll make it so you can't do that anymore. You have to stay home. I, you know, and it was, hmm, I hadn't thought of it. For me, I hadn't thought of it that way, but could that be in the um, authority or the uh, ability of God to limit me and, and kind of teach me along the way? Wh what is maybe a value recheck or something like that, um, which I thought was an interesting perspective. And obviously we don't oh, know sure. the answer for those, these things, but we can see God's hand in it. Right. And it, well, it sounds very consistent with, you know, how, what we see God doing in, in a lot of the old Testament, right. With the people of Israel as they've, um, you know, they've fallen into all sorts of problems all over the place, idol worship and right. things like that. And, and, you know, God, I think of the prophets where, where God is speaking to the people through them, like Babylon's coming, 
bad oh, and, and this right. and he, this a bad thing is coming it's going to carry you away you're going to be away forever you're going to be away from your my, my temple uh the city's going to be destroyed it it looks like the end is coming um but ultimately i'm going to use this for the good good beyond just you and you that's know, the, what we can definitely say from it all but yeah that would be an, another great historical thing to unpack the temple that god commanded to be built that he commanded his people to come to for festivals and worship of him he says i'll destroy that i will destroy it mm-hmm. and nebuchadnezzar who was <laughs> no choir boy right <laughs> went to sunday school <laughs> the bible says he's god's servant right wow yeah, so so man, put that in terms of today. Like, could could God be saying that today? Like, COVID, my servant. Yes. Um, or this cancer that you have, my servant. You know, it's 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 ultimately going going to it, what seems like a bad thing, ultimately could bring about something good. Has the potential to at least. Right. Um, I had a um, a mentor pastor who always use the phrase that God never wastes anything, even the bad stuff that we go through. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the ultimate good steward is what he would say. And so like whenever something bad was going on, um, his kind of first reaction was to say, well, you know, are you looking for what God's doing? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you looking for, for what the good that God is going to bring out of this? And, um, that's not a natural reaction for us when we're going through something bad. Right. Uh, but I found that helpful to, to, to try to remember in my own life to think of like, okay, so, you know, to be aware, what's God doing in this, in this bad situation, in this suffering? Um, I might not ever see that. I might never see the, the full fruit of that. Um, God might not reveal that in my time, right? but there could be something good that comes from um, whatever it is that we're going through. And, and I think, I mean, I don't, don't know your pastoral history super well, but... I mean, that that does happen to people with cancer. When they first get it, they don't want to hear, God's going to work something good out of this. I mean, who wants to hear that? You're facing the end. I mean, we all are dying, but you know right. you're probably going to die. Um, that is a tough thing to swallow. Mm-hmm. But there are people who walk through that and are able to say, you know what? I finally came to grips with this life is not what it's about anyhow. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the, almost the heal, uh, a mental healing or a spiritual healing that God does bring in a person's life too. Sure. Yeah. Those, those times of suffering, um, they can be a, uh, a great period of figuring out what's important, mm-hmm. uh, helping us to, to really set our perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a challenging thing to do. Sure. But, but man, it, it's, uh, the people that I've, I've watched and walked with who have gone through that sort of a situation. Um, you know, they come out the other side, I think with a much greater perspective on how God sees life, how God sees the world. Um, really understanding that today and what we're going through right now is not it. This life, um, and, and whatever we're, whatever suffering we're facing, and this is something that I've kind of really latched onto in the last several years in my own just thinking of like whatever, whatever it is that you're going through in life, mm-hmm. whether it lasts the rest of your life, it's temporary. 
Yes. Uh, you know, Paul's words in, I forget if it, Corinthians, um, of the, you know, these light momentary afflictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, Paul is not talking about, you know, a hangnail. I mean, Paul's talking, <laughs> Paul's talking about big stuff and he's right. calling it light momentary. Um, even if it lasts the rest of his life, it is over eventually De- uh, uh, death and cancer and all those things. Jesus won and Amen. their days are, are numbered. And, um, you know, so th- those folks who have that eternal perspective, um, that I think you can, it, it really gets, uh, what sharpened for us in those moments of suffering. Um, man, that really, that really changes your outlook on life. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, I mean, that's helpful for, you know, the world who gets caught up in political power, mm-hmm. you know, my candidate's not in right now, world's going to hell, um, or my candidate's in and everything's going to be great. Yeah. You know what? We could need good political leaders, but they are all temporary. There, there will be, you know, kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a perspective. I think that's what, what I think is what you were saying. And of course, we do know Romans eight twenty eight. God works out all things for the good. He doesn't make all things happen, um, and He does give the Satan a leash, and He allows us even to make our own messes of things. But He He does uh, what you said. He won't waste a a what did you say crisis or a problem or the good or the bad. Yeah, you know He He uses it all. Yeah. So there's, those are things to overall remi- be reminded of. But hanging with somebody who's suffering, um, that's part of our call. That's part of our walk together. That mm-hmm. we're, you know, that cliche, we're in this together. Uh, learning how to uh, comfort one another. That's part of the Christian ethic as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I think this has been a good conversation here, just uh, starting to dive in a little bit on on suffering in the world. And um, maybe that might be a good place to pick it up next time on how do you walk with people who are suffering? How do you walk alongside of them in a Christ-like way? So we'll, we'll uh, pick that up in our next segment. Well, we're here with uh, Adam Vanderstelt, our worship leader here at St. Matthew. And uh, one of the segments that we want to do on here once in a while is uh, just a short little look at why we sing what we sing. So taking a look at some uh, songs that we sing at both the traditional service, some hymns that we use there, uh, songs from the contemporary service, more modern songs, and just um, kind of pausing on these songs for a minute to look at what what the lyrics that we sing actually say. Um you know, uh, we don't sing the songs just that are fun songs to sing, but uh, hopefully these songs have some message for us here. So, so Adam, the first song that, that uh, we picked to talk about here today is uh, a contemporary service song, a newer song that we've been doing, what, the last maybe three or four months um, called Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham. Uh, you've probably heard this song. If you listen to Christian radio, it's kind of everywhere. Um 
And uh, so, Adam, maybe just uh, what was it that uh, kind of drew this song to, to be one that we're using here at St. Matthew? And um, then maybe we'll just kind of explore the lyrics here a little bit. Yeah. So first of all, I love the sound of this song. Um, it really is a, a war cry or a celebration of our strength in God. And the verse, the verses really have um, some strong links, I think, to the Psalms. Um, there's a lot of language that are uh, in in the verses that um, really link to the Psalms. Looking at verse one, you know, I see um, I see Psalm 23 in there. Um, maybe for when, those who aren't familiar with the song, maybe just read the lyrics of verse yeah, one yeah. there, just so just so we've got that kind of in our minds. Good. Yeah. So verse one goes: When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear, for I am safe with you. So specifically, the the last uh, two lines there, uh, when I walk through the shadow, I have nothing to fear now. That That's very much Psalm 23 right. um, and sort of brings to mind um, some of the shepherd imagery and, and the sheep imagery um, that we're really familiar with um, in the book of Psalms. And then when I look at the chorus, I actually, um, I actually think of the story of um, who had to have his hands held high when he was on his knees in the battle. Moses. Moses. Right? Yep. It's Moses. Um, and so I think of Moses uh, in that story. When I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Uh, oh, God, the battle belongs to you. I almost uh, can see Moses singing that or saying that. Um, every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Um, the battle belongs to you. Now, when I hear that couple, I actually think of, um, I think of Mary. So she had some big fears to face, uh, and she really ultimately had to lay them down at the feet of God and sing through probably some sleepless nights. Sure. Yeah, and and I mean, in those words there, um, you know, every fear I lay at your feet, gosh, you th- there's so I mean, Mary definitely comes to mind. There's so many people in the, the pages of Scripture that, yeah. that um, man, faced a fear and laid that at God's feet and, and just... You know, it, it, it's very much that song of surrender. And there's a lot of that surrender going on in scripture. You think of uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think of David, um, you know, so many throughout the pages of scripture. Um, yeah, I really love, in and all of the verses kind of take a similar pattern um, to that, that, uh, that first verse of, you know, we see the battle, God sees the victory. I see the mountain. You see the mountain moved. You know, we see, we see the obstacle. We see mm-hmm. the, the trouble, mm-hmm. which, which is so true in our life, right? We're, we're, we're living life kind of, you know, down here at ground level. Um, sometimes we're, we're stuck in the midst of the, the forest of all the things going on around us. We can't see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds us here, these lyrics, that there is a bigger picture, um, that there's something bigger going on that, ultimately God is in control of. Yeah. And, uh, and so that the, the next verse there really picks that up, uh, really drives home that, uh, is it Romans eight? Um, if you are for me, who can be against me mm-hmm. for Jesus? There's nothing impossible with you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When I see a cross, God, you see the empty tomb, mm. you know? So kind of that bringing us back to the, the ultimate, um, what seemed like a bad thing, 
Jesus dying on the cross. I mean, mm. the disciples were discouraged and disheartened, um, scattered. God saw through Good Friday to Easter Sunday when Jesus would come out of that. Um, and God can do that with everything that we go through. Mm-hmm. And the title, I mean, it just really points to the fact um, the battle belongs to God, and the battle belongs to God because he's known the beginning and he knows the ending. It's not it's not unknown to him. We see just this very small part, um, but God um, owns this battle because he's, he knows every part of it. Right. Mm. So just, uh, you know, a, a quick look at, um, you know, one of the one of the more prolific songwriters of our day right mm-hmm. now, Phil Wickham, uh, Battle Belongs. So I hope the next time we sing this at church, I uh, hope the next time that you hear this song on the radio uh, or comes up in your uh, your music app, that uh, you sing it maybe thinking thinking about the, the picture that's created there of, of God sees the bigger picture, God knows what's going on, and God is ultimately going to bring good out of what whatever it is that we face. So thanks, Adam. Thanks for sitting down with us for a few minutes and uh, look forward to doing this again. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this first episode of Everyday Disciples. We look forward to seeing you back here next week for our second episode as we learn more about how to be a disciple every day.